You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. John is away on a well-deserved week off. I've got my good friend Gray Williams with us, uh, our regular Get Connected uh, contributor. Thanks for coming on in. Always glad to be here. Our show is about technology. We're Canada's number one tech radio show from Vancouver all the way to Toronto. We've got a great program today. Uh, we'll be talking about car technology Uh and specifically kind of inside the car, yeah. What, what's happening. We'll be talking with the folks over at uh, GM about that. Some really cool stuff, Gray, that I think people need to be aware of, you know, especially when they're looking for new cars. For sure. And we'll be talking about the chip shortage. I know we keep hearing about it. It's getting worse. It really is. With the war in Ukraine right now, there's a lot of rare earth minerals, minerals that are mined there. So that's going to be a problem. And uh, we'll be talking uh, to one of our other contributors, Robin Cavanaugh, about the new iPad Air. He's had a chance to try it out for the past week and tell us what he thinks. Should you upgrade from the old one? Should you upgrade from the regular iPad? Well, we'll give you the lowdown on that. But let's get into some of the tech news uh, this week, Gray. Windows Explorer. Microsoft's looking at testing ads inside of Windows Explorer? Yeah, so basically we've seen this in a couple places with Microsoft before. Uh, you know, Internet Explorer, famously, um, you know, they've had some ads there. Uh, most browsers really just do a lot of serving ads, but inside your file management system is a bit of a bridge too far for me. So this was for a new Microsoft product. They said that it was an experimental build that wasn't actually supposed to go to the public, but it was just advertising more Microsoft products. The challenge here is that we've seen Microsoft do this before. Yes. The Xbox 360, when it first launched, that dashboard was pretty much ad-free. Yeah. And they, they had this uh, interface called the Blades. Well, when Blades went away and they brought out their next generation um, system, that system had ads all over it. Yeah. And so this is the slippery slope they think we're finding with Microsoft. And I think for a lot of users, like I have a Windows PC at home. I also have two Macs, my iPad, my iPhone. And what it feels like right now is that the Windows systems, sure, you can pay a little bit less for, or you might be able to build for less, yeah. but I'm making up for that by paying for my time by watching all of these ads. I don't want to see ads inside of it. Do you know what I mean? I know, like, we're kind of getting it for free now, right? Yeah. Right, kind of. And I know that nothing's ever free, but please... Please, I would pay money not to have the ads. Well, this is kind of what it goes back to is, right? okay, so let's go back to paying 129 bucks every couple of years for Windows. You know what? That actually seems like a good deal in retrospect. Uh, there's new flexible screen technology that uh, can be stretched without the image getting warped. This is kind of interesting. So you can actually stretch the screen. Mm -hmm. Is that weird? It's a little bit weird. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, this really comes down to what are we going to do with this? And, you know, textiles and fabrics seem to be one thing. You know, you could have Rorschach's mask from Watchmen, I guess. Yeah. You could have some really cool uh, things going on as like this could actually even be for a vehicle wrap yeah. as well. So some interesting stuff that we can do here. Um, you know, is flexible screen technology the first thing I'd be working on? No, but thankfully I'm not the only one working on this. So, so yeah. So what this means essentially is, uh, you know, and they've got some prototypes here that we've been reading about. When you stretch it, it increases the screen size by about 25%, but it doesn't distort the image. So, for example, if you were to blow up a balloon, right? Yeah. It kind of just stretches in certain ways. So, if you had a picture of your face on there, it would be distorted. Yeah. Right? Or if you were stretching some rubber. Yeah. Or remember Silly Putty? I do. Right? When you could put that on a newspaper or a magazine and get that image on the silly putty. Yeah. When you stretched it, it would distort, right? Because it's only elongating in one way. Or these new screen technologies, when you stretch it, it'll do lengthwise and heightwise. Yeah. 
So basically dynamically redistributing I, the image in real time. Yeah, I don't know what the image quality, like the resolution will be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But I suppose if you're starting off with a high enough resolution, like a retina style resolution to begin with, yeah. it's actually going to end up looking okay at the end. It, it should be interesting, right? Yeah. Okay, we have a lot to talk about on today's uh, Get Connected. Uh, later on, we will be talking about the iPad, the new iPad Air. It is a beautiful tablet, and it's got the new Apple M1 chip. This thing is more powerful than most of the laptops, Windows laptops that are out there, right? Yeah. Uh, Robin, one of our uh, contributors, has had a chance to test it out for the past week, and he's going to compare it to the regular Air iPad and the previous iPad Air. And should you upgrade? You'd be surprised to hear the answer to that. And we'll be talking about the chip shortage. I, I know we keep hearing about it, but you need to know some of the new developments and what that means for some of the things that you might be trying to buy. And coming up after the break, car tech. Like, what are some of the new technologies being built into cars? From infotainment systems to heads-up displays to the safety mechanisms. Well, we've got a great guest on that'll uh, outline some of the things that you should be looking for in your next vehicle purchase. When we come back from the break, car tech, stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. We're in Canada's number one tech radio program. We uh, are happy that you've uh, tuned in. Still a lot of tech to talk. I want to talk uh, car tech now. Had a chance over the past week uh, to try out a, uh, a new Buick and uh, really get a chance to dig into a lot of the tech that's uh, kind of built into a lot of the, the new cars now. I've got a great guest on the line. His name is Farouk Jawade. He's the national market manager over at GM Canada. Thanks for uh, joining us, uh, Farouk. I'm excited to be here, Michael. So I've been driving, uh, you know, I guess many different cars over uh, the years. I was kind of blown away. Uh, I had the Buick Enclave. Uh, what uh, I think I had the luxury edition. What was that one? Uh, you, you had the Avenir. Avenir. Uh, and so I wanted to try that just to kind of put all the tech through the different paces. And there is actually a lot of technology built into uh, into cars now. Uh, first of all, I just want to start with some of the safety features. Uh, just amazing uh, at how well it is at detecting things like collisions and, and you know, pedestrians on the side. Uh, this particular Buick actually had kind of like a rumble seat built in. So if I was uh, ever, you know, in danger of, you know, going off lane or if there was some person on the side of the road that, you know, it uh, thought might uh, kind of jump out, it actually vibrated the whole seat. Yeah, so what you're talking about is the safety alert seat, which is uh, which is one of the, the 15 features on the Buick Enclave Avenir that you experience. So, uh, you know, what we've done at, at Buick is, you know, we believe in a world with zero crashes. So, we've made our Buick driver confidence platform standard across all of our volume vehicles. And it has those 15 features like the safety alert seat, like the uh, pedestrian detection, um, forward collision alert, automatic braking, all of those amazing safety tech um, that's really important to give people more confidence as they're driving a vehicle and uh, on the road. Uh, another interesting feature as well, and I know this is being built into a lot more cars now, is the uh, the HUD, the heads-up display. So while you're driving, you can actually see uh, your speedometer and, you know, some of the other features kind of projected on the window. And I've seen this done in other cars, but this one's probably one of the, the better implementations of it because no matter how bright outside it was, you know, in, you know, bright sunny day uh, or, of course, at night, it it really stood out like you could not miss it. Yeah, so that's our color heads-up display, and it's it also allows you in your vehicle to adjust the, the brightness setting on the heads-up display and as it projects it out on the road. So 
you know, the, the beauty of that is that it, it takes the information that was traditionally in your driver information center or your, or your infotainment screen, puts it right in your line of sight uh, as you're driving on the road. So you don't, you no longer have to look down, look left or right. You can, you can keep your eyes on the road again, helps enhance that safety that we're all, we're going for at Buick. I have to tell you, like, if, if you, you know, any of the listeners, if you have an option to get that in, you know, whatever type of vehicle you're, you're looking for, I think it's valuable because, uh, it, it helped. Like I was not looking all over the place all the time for different things, you know, especially my speed, like it was just front and center. So I, I couldn't miss it. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and then, you know, that's why we made a standard on the Avenir, which is also our most popular trim on the Enclave so that, you know, 50 to 60% of the people that purchase an Enclave will get that feature all the time without having to add it on. Let's talk about parking. And, uh, I, I loved how, um, you've implemented some cool technologies. We've seen this in uh, a number of cars, uh, uh, kind of the, uh, the bird's eye view. I think you call it HD surround uh, parking. Uh, essentially, when you're going in to, to do your parking, you see the car from the top down. You've done some magic there with the cameras, uh, but it makes like doing like parallel parking or anything like that or, or getting into a tight space just like a hundred times easier. For sure. So, so we, we call it our high definition surround vision camera. And what it does is we've got cameras in the front and back of the vehicle, as well as two cameras on the side mirrors. And it takes a, it, it merges the digital images together to give you that overhead view of the entire area around, around your vehicle. So as you said, it's awesome, especially when you have a, a larger vehicle like the Enclave uh, to get it in tight spots. Uh, it works at low speed, so it's perfect for parking. I know I use it. I use it all the time because, um, you know, when you're, when you're driving around the city and and, in tight spots, uh, you you can put your car in reverse and and use it as you need. You know where this is going to save money too, because, uh, I, I have, you know, a couple of vehicles, they don't have that feature. And, because I'm downtown, uh, you know, parking in urban areas all the time, Mm -hmm. I I have to be honest, I'm pretty good at parking, but I still, you know, manage to scrape the hell out of my rims you know, against, yeah. <laughs> against the sidewalk, no matter how careful I am. And it's not cheap to fix that. Definitely. And I think, you know, the one, the one cool thing about the Enclave is that all the technology works uh, collaboratively together. So you have, you've got the surround vision camera, but you've also got this feature that lets you tilt your side view uh, mirrors down as well. So for, especially when you're, when you're doing some parallel parking, you've got the bird's eye view, plus you've got a camera that's, or, or mirrors that are showing you your rims as you close up to the curb as well. Uh, and you can enable all of that, uh, helping you save some money and, and not scratch up those rims. Do you, do you know what uh, Farouk, my problem is with all this technology now? When I have to go back to an older car that doesn't have any of it, like uh, we have, uh, uh, I think like a 2007 uh, Honda Fit. And it is, <laughs> it is it is hard to drive that now because whenever I'm parking, there's no parking sensors or, you know, surround vision there. I have to like really pay attention. You know what, Mike, we, we've got to get you out of that Honda fitting into it. <laughs> uh, well, with gas right now. <laughs> That Honda Fit's doing pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, let's talk uh, some of the the um, the infotainment uh, as well, Farouk. Um, most cars now built, they've got the you know the touch screen uh, built into it, and they'll work with both uh, Apple CarPlay and uh, Android Auto as well. So no matter what phone you have, you can uh, you know have that up on your screen, which is great for navigating uh, you know with the maps or Apple Maps. Uh, but what I like about this uh, particular uh, vehicle, it's now wireless. You don't have to plug the cable in. 
That is that is my favorite feature. So you know, cars have had CarPlay and Android Auto for a while, but but putting the wireless uh, CarPlay and Android Auto standard across all enclaves uh, is is definitely a game changer. Um, not only do you get access to all those features as soon as you come close to the vehicle, once it's connected, it creates that Wi-Fi between your Wi-Fi connection between your phone and the vehicle, um, giving you access to all those features instantly uh, as you turn the vehicle on and get inside. But as you said, you don't have to worry about the cable. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm an Android guy. Uh, my wife's got an iPhone and we don't have to worry about keeping two different cables in the car. Uh, and then the other cool thing about the Enclave is that we've also made wireless phone charging standard uh, as well. So now you definitely will never need a USB cable, at least in, in the front passenger and driver seats of that vehicle. I, I like how you've implemented that as well. It kind of puts it out of the way so you're not tempted to look at the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's right under the uh, kind of the the infotainment screen, right? So you put it in it it you're you're connected wirelessly to CarPlay. So you still you still have your uh, you know your apps available into your touchscreen. You've got your messages. You've got your Google Maps, uh, Spotify, whatever you want to use. It's all available to you. Uh, you can also use your uh, you know Google Assistant or Siri through by pressing a button on your steering wheel. So you've got all of the features that you would want from your phone without ever having to touch your phone or worry about it. And, and again, it, it rounds up to that safety theme that we're going for here at Buick. We're talking with uh, Farouk Jawade. He's the National Market Manager over at GM, just about uh, what to look for in new car technology, uh, kind of using uh, the, the Buick Enclave uh, as uh, an example. Can I tell you one of my favorite features, though, Farouk? Um, and I, it. It, it took me a couple days to, to figure out how to, to work it. The rearview mirror. So you can either have it as a regular rear view mirror or uh, when you flip it, uh, it, it uses the, the cameras in the back. It, it is like night and day different difference in seeing what, what's behind you. Like you get the full wide angle view. It just made driving so much better. Like I was totally aware of everything going on around me. Yeah, the, the rear camera mirror is, is definitely one of the coolest features on the Enclave. Um, you know, I've got two young kids uh, and I've got family in Ottawa. So uh, we, we go down a lot. And so every time we pack up the car with, you know, strollers, uh, car seats, so everything that you need uh, for, for a weekend away, it definitely fills up and it makes it really hard to see with the traditional rear view, uh, rear view mirror. So flipping on that camera makes it amazing, uh, amazing because then you can see you can avoid all that obstruction, see right behind the vehicle. And as you said, you get that wide, uh, wide view. You can also uh, change around the brightness and the zoom. You can tilt uh, the camera angle. So you can definitely see everything that's going on behind you. Uh, and then the other cool thing that, that we've done is we've added uh, a little washer. So if the camera does get dirty, you can hit the button and it sprays some washer fluid on that camera and cleans oh, it. Oh, are you kidding me? I- <laughs> Because I was driving it in the rain here uh, on the weekend, and it, it did get dirty. I'm like, oh, so I had to you know go out and figure out where it was. So there's an automatic feature for that. For sure. <laughs> we, we don't want you to have to pull over and, and get out and, and clean the car. So we've, we've made it easy for, for you. Do you know what I did discover, though, with that, that, uh, that camera? Uh, how vain I am. Uh, <laughs> it, it was kind of disconcerting because I kept trying to look at it to see myself. <laughs> in, in in the mirror so then i had to you know like a sucker go up and actually physically move the mirror back to the old-fashioned mm-hmm. position so uh i guess i would get used to that over time yeah yeah and it, you know what you probably shouldn't be looking at yourself while you're driving <laughs> anything, right? that is great advice uh farouk where can people find out more information about uh, all this car tech 
You know, I, I encourage people to uh, a, check out our website at Buick.ca. As well, I think the one of the best ways to experience all this cool new tech is to actually get in a vehicle and try it out. So we've got, you know, we've got dealers across the country. I would encourage your your audience to to get in a Buick. I think they will be thoroughly impressed with the new tech that that we've put in these vehicles. That's uh, our good friend Farouk Jawade. He's a national market manager over at GM talking about some of the uh, car tech. Uh, we're going to have uh, uh, my review up on our website, uh, getconnectedmedia.com, if you want to get some of my uh, thoughts on uh, on some of this new car tech. Thanks uh, for joining us uh, today, Farouk. Thanks, Mike. My, well, it was my pleasure. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Gray here in studio. We're going to talk a little bit more about the chip shortage. And we've been hearing about this for the past couple of years. COVID has done a number on technology and microchips being manufactured. Uh, It has hit every aspect of the things we buy. Not just computers and phones, but uh, toasters, microwaves, refrigerators. Good luck trying to find appliances right now. And cars have been hit heavy. Have you driven by any car lots lately? It can be a real challenging thing. Yeah. Some of them are ghost town. I know. I mean, we just had GM on and I, I said to him in the interview, you know, you drive by these car lots and there's like maybe a half to a third of the cars on there that would usually be there, yeah. right? It's like a ghost town. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with obviously supply chain issues, but it's chip, chip shortage is a big thing. Yeah. And that's not getting any better now. So if you've got any idea of what you want to purchase in the next year, maybe a new laptop or phone, I would get it now. I really, really would because we're going to start seeing more shortages. The war in Ukraine is going to cause some more. Neon, which is used in semiconductor manufacturing, Ukraine provides half of that in the world. Mm-hmm. And the two main producers of that have shut down, as you can imagine, with the ongoing conflict there. Yeah. And so if you thought it was bad before, it is going to get get worse. And it, it's interesting with car manufacturers now, Gray. I don't know if you saw this story. Ford they're going to start delivering vehicles that are missing chips. Yes. And I, I find that crazy, but then I'm thinking, what, what else can they do? So, for example, F- Ford have their Explorers, and they're going to ship without chips for the rear seat HVAC controls. That's right. The heater. Yeah. Air conditioning controls. Yeah. And so, w- What do you think of that? Well, so here's the thing. You're, you'll, you'll get your Ford Explorer. It will have no HVAC control in the back. But they said they promised that when those chips come in, yeah. you can you can bring it in and have them installed. It's a cruel summer. So basically, in the right. in the front seat you've got air conditioning, back seat windows down. You know what? I'm okay with this. I'm actually okay with this. Um, the idea, first of all, a couple of things. One, you know, let's get products into the hands of people that need them right now. Because do you need rear seat HVAC control? Probably not. You can probably get the by kids. With- the kids right now. Are- yeah. Yes. What are you talking about? <laughs> Here's a fan. Here's wave, a fan. Wave yeah. it quickly. Um, but this also kind of gives, gives rise to the idea of modularity, which is something I think that maybe vehicles do need a little bit more. You know, we talked before about a vehicle where you could get 3D printed pieces that would go inside. So you could basically design your own cup holders, design your accessories that would go inside it. Basically, I think vehicle manufacturers now need to start thinking about modularity in their systems. You know, I own a 2017 Mini Countryman brought to us by the Bavarian Motor Works Group, BMW. And in it, there is a radio. That radio is not CarPlay compliant. Now, the next year has one. Yeah. And it has the same screen interface. But can I put that in my vehicle? I cannot. So, so like, you can't get an aftermarket? I, I can get an aftermarket. But, but you can't get the factory. Why can't I just go and get the chip? 
right? Not to say that those chips are available right now, but looking forward to the future, being able to replace components on vehicles, I think is actually a really great idea. So they, they like many other car manufacturers, Ford I'm talking about, they've had to shut down their plants for like weeks at a time over the past couple of years yeah. because of supply chain issues yeah. and chip shortages. So what they're doing now is like they want to keep the factories going because imagine how much it costs them to shut the factories down for a week. Yeah, and well, then people don't get paid. Must be hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, yeah. And now when that chip becomes available, they'll contact the customer and like, hey, you got heat again. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, it can still be controlled from the front, apparently. Yes. It's just the people in the back can't control it. Can't have their individually climate controlled zone. Yeah. But I need, the I driver a, can control it. I need a smaller violin for those people in the back seat, but I can't get one because there's a shortage. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird world. Okay, but also aggravating this is COVID still. Mm -hmm. In China, I think this past week, it's like 37 million people have been locked down. Shenzhen, which is the manufacturing hub of the world when it comes to electronics, shut down. It's going to affect Apple and Samsung in a big way. Mm -hmm. Like when I say shut down, closed. Factories are closed. Yes. They're not making the chips that are needed in these smartphones. Now, it's interesting because Apple has really started to do some reclamation of their older products, basically finding pieces, finding materials. So, you know, we, we talk about materials not being available from Ukraine, basically going through and seeing what they can recycle out of all of the parts of the machines that are out there. And they're offering good trade-in value for them as well. So, you know, my iPhone 11, um, I sold back to Apple and got an iPhone 13 for about half the price. Yeah. So... Looking at this, it kind of looked, we look towards our own manufacturing sector here in Canada. And, you know, the idea of bringing manufacturing home has been a clarion call for a lot of people. But I think the last two or three years has really shown that if we don't onshore a lot of this stuff, we're going to be facing things like this for the next 10 to 15 years. So it's a good time to actually look at this and say, can we bring some of this manufacturing back to Canada? It's a good time to look at it. Is it going to happen though? Like even Foxconn, they're one of the big manufacturing companies in the world and most of it's done over in china yes and asia yep. um they were supposed to open a big plant in the u.s remember trump made a big deal about yes that? yeah did that happen well no. no they 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 forgot the fox and they just got the con on that one oh, so boom sorry wisconsin uh, but because now fox foxconn they're talking about opening a giant plant again you know who they're talking to mm. not the u.s yep saudi arabia oh gosh which is a weird there's there's so much wrong with that statement. Isn't that weird? There's so much Saudi conflict Arabia, in that. Like, yeah. I don't know from like <laughs> a number of geopolitical issues to uh, just environmental issues. Like, yeah. can you imagine having to, the size of the factories there and keeping <sighs> them cool? And the, That feels and like that. the Decepticons and Cobra working together. I can't really get behind it. No? No. <laughs> no, okay. Anyway, so all these factors are continuing to cause issues with the consumer products we're trying to buy. Yeah. From cars to microwaves to even ovens. Like yeah. I'm renoing my kitchen coming up in the next few months and trying to find, you know, a new fridge and, and the right oven. There's not as much choice. Have you thought right. about like a wood fired pizza oven? It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going old school. Okay. We're going to have to take another break, but you need to stay tuned to the next segment. We've got Robin coming in. He's going to talk about the iPad air. There's a number of different tablets out there, right? Right? Yes. And there's a bunch of different iPads. What's the difference? Like, are you going to be just as happy with the $400 one or do you need the $700 one or the $1,000 one? He's going to break down what the difference is and why you would want the different versions. All right. You listen to Get Connected? Back after this. With Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. 
Apple had some uh, recent recent announcements, uh, releasing new products, uh, iPad Air, iPhone SE, some new uh, uh, MacBook computers as well. We want to have a look today at the iPad Air. And I get this question a lot because there's a number of different iPads out in the market now. There's the kind of the basic uh, iPad. There's the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. We've got Robin Cavanaugh in our studio. He's one of our Get Connected uh, producers and contributors. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. So you're an iPad man. Uh, you have recently purchased the base model of the iPad. Yes. I got the eighth generation one just last year. And that one's like about 400 bucks? Yep. Yeah. 400, 500 plus the pencil. Yeah. Kind of adds up as you yes. <laughs> start. Oh, you want a keyboard? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly you're like $8,000 later. I'm kidding. Um, but what are you using it for? I use it for so much. I use it for photo editing. I use it for note taking. I use it for um, digital art. I use it as a second monitor for my uh, cameras and things. I use it as a second monitor for my laptop. I Sorry, second uh, monitor for your camera. How does that work? Yeah, so um, a lot of like, like mirrorless cameras these days have their own dedicated apps. Yeah. And so with the app, you can just Bluetooth into the camera and you can see what you're shooting. Like right on the iPad screen? Right on the iPad screen. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have that plus my notes app with all my notes. So when I'm shooting videos, I can see what I'm looking at okay. and then also refer to my so notes. So you're actually using it. I'm using it. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I use mine for uh, emails, web browsing, and watching videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, good way. But I have it. an iPad Pro because I need the power <laughs> yeah. to watch Netflix. And, you know, my emails, they just fly. Oh, totally. You need the speed to respond. Okay. So you're in for 500 bucks. Yeah. And is it, could it replace your laptop? Uh, no, no. I don't think so. No. No. I, I think, like, I think especially if we were going to talk about the iPad Air quickly for a sec and the iPad Pro, they have the M1 chips now. Yeah. That's the same chip that's in the uh, Mac Mini that's in the current MacBook Air. Yeah. Like, so that's Apple's own proprietary chip that they've made for their stuff. They're not yeah. using Intel anymore. And these have been reviewed. They are very powerful. They're insanely powerful. Like, yeah. So much more powerful than what any other sort of competitor in that price point. Okay. So you've had a chance now to try out the new iPad Air that they've just released. It's got the M1 chip in it. So mm -hmm. it is super powerful. Yeah. And so again, I get this question, Robin, like what's the difference? So for me doing my emails mm -hmm. and surfing the net yeah. And watching some videos. Am I going to notice a difference? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Short answer. Like, no, like even like I, I noticed some of a difference going from the M1 Air from my eighth generation, just like entry level one. Yeah. I, I noticed like opening apps, it's a little bit zippier. Performance is a little bit smoother, things like that. Noticeable, like 10% better, 100% better? Um, yeah, maybe 10. Okay. Maybe 10%. Yeah. Enough that I'm like, oh, like, oh, that opened quickly. Yes. You know? Or like when I'm like editing photos in Lightroom, I'm like, oh, like I don't have to wait for the uh, quality to catch up to kind of whatever the processor's doing. Yeah. But I mean, it, I, it's almost like the M1 chip is almost too powerful for what the iPad can actually provide. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, but you're using it for more. Like you said you're using it for photos and graphics. Yeah, three And is that yeah. where you notice it? That's where I definitely notice it. And yeah. gaming as well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like with gaming, it zips. It's yeah. amazing, yeah. Okay. So for you, that actually uses it yeah. for a lot of stuff, it is a noticeable difference. Yes. And is it worth the price bump? For me, yeah. Because I'd be going from, if we were just talking base, it would be like 429 to 729 
So about 350 bucks yeah. more. Yeah, 300 yeah. bucks. And you get slightly bigger screen. You get the USB-C port, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, you get like the now smart connectors so I can get the magic keyboard, things like that. Yeah. And the Apple Pencil too. But the iPad base one has smart connector. I think it does. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, but you can't use the magic keyboard. Oh, okay. It has just its little... So magic keyboard is that yeah. like, it looks like it's... Like magic. Yeah, it's like yeah. the floating like, one. It's like the screen is yeah, floating it's in it. It's got like the USB pass through so you can charge and everything. Yeah. So, but it's interesting now, Robin. So they've put the M1 chip in the air. Mm. So what's the pro? Yeah. So this is a, an interesting thing. And I tackled this in the video review we did of the iPad Air, which yeah. should be live now on our channel. Getconnectedmedia.com. That's the one. Yeah. Um, so the, the main thing is, so with the USB-C on the Pro, it has support for Thunderbolt. So that means you can dock it, and you, that means you can use monitors. Uh, hard drives can be plugged into like a USB-C dock. Okay, like so it's more like pro level. It, that's, Hence it, the name. That's really it, yeah. and that's kind of something we haven't really seen Apple do. It is like now with the, their pro line, it really is for pros. Yeah. Like the big thing again is also the display on the iPad Pro is their um, Liquid Retina XDR display. Yeah, that's the, the, the biggest one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's on the 12.9 inch one. Yeah. And that's the same uh, kind of display that we see on the MacBook Pros now and their latest uh, monitors as well. Like it's a seriously nice display. So I want to talk about Sidecar. This is a feature that works with MacBooks and iPads. Yeah, and iMacs as well. And iMacs as well. Yeah. So you can use your iPad or iPad Air or Pro mm -hmm. as a second monitor. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. I've been using that a bunch now. Yeah. yeah. And so you notice a difference going from your your crappy base model now? <laughs> I'm joking. It's not crappy. <laughs> um, yeah. It's I, hard to go back, right, though? Once you get something so more powerful. Hard, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. now the screen is that bit bigger and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you've got the base model. You've been using Sidecar, which gets you the second monitor for your laptop, mm -hmm. which is great. You can have all your controls or whatever yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Your email. Um and so you've gone to the iPad Air, mm -hmm. and like, is it that much better? The, the biggest difference I've noticed is how quickly it takes to connect. Okay. Um, with Sidecar, as long as it's been like hardwired, as in like you have a USB-C cable going from your laptop into the iPad, yeah. it's like lickety split. Like but it works wirelessly as well. It does. And that's kind of where the Air is a little bit better okay. in how it works wirelessly. Yeah. The iPad, the current one I use, it's very chuggy. I'd almost never used it wirelessly just because it would lag so much. Chuggy, is that Irish? <laughs> <No>. Chuggy? <laughs> chuggy, yeah, it would chug. <laughs> okay. Um, but with this iPad Air, it's it's so smooth. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating, yeah. Okay, so you would use, but you kind of like having the cable just for battery life and stuff, I guess. Right? Yeah, it helps in that regard. But yeah. now, I mean, if you're using the Magic Keyboard case, you can okay. have that other USB pass-through, so... Okay, um, so, but compared to the previous version of the iPad Air, there's not huge amounts of difference. No, physically, it's the exact same. Yes. Same screen, same cameras, same USB, same design. There's some new colors now, which is yeah. nice. They have center stage. They have center stage. Explain is, that. Yeah, so center stage is, um, they brought it out in the iPad Pro last year. Yeah. We saw it in the iPad mini a little bit later. Um, essentially, it's an ultra-wide front-facing camera. Yes that through apps like Teams or Skype or FaceTime. And it'll work with that? You don't have to use FaceTime? Yeah, it works with all those apps. Okay, Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, basically, it will zoom in on one person and using machine learning, it'll detect a user and make sure they're in the center of the frame. When they're no talking. where they move. When they're talking? Uh, when they're talking, when they're silent. Just what if there's like three of you? 
oh, then it expands out to fit everyone in. Got it. Okay. So yeah. it's like having your own director. Yeah, 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 exactly. It pans, it tilts. You can move around the kitchen. Is it a gimmick? Uh, Do you find it gimmicky or is it pretty good? No, I think it's actually kind of cool. Yeah. 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 I think it works well. Well, it's kind of important. Like we do all these Zoom calls now, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no more like awkward, like everyone shuffle in to like get as close as you can. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, Yeah. Totally. Very cool. We're talking with Robin Cavanaugh. He's one of our Get Connected producers and contributors. He's had a chance to actually put the iPad Air through its paces uh, over the past week. And overall, is it worth the upgrade from the previous version? I don't think so. If you're happy with your 2020 iPad Air, you're happy with the performance you've gotten out of it, you're not going to notice a big difference with this. Okay. But if you're coming from an older iPad Air or from the entry-level iPad, I say 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth the extra 350 bucks from the base model. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But not like for email Mike here. (laughs) (laughs) I've never sent emails faster. (laughs) Very cool. Okay. You know what? You've done a great review. It's a video. It's a video. It's up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. If you want to hear more of Robin's thoughts, go check it out. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the program. Mike and Gray here. A little bit of time left to talk about our sister show, The App Show. comes up every Sunday across Canada or Saturday nights if you're in Toronto. What a great way to spend a Saturday night with us. I think so. Uh, on tomorrow's or tonight's show, depending where you are, we're going to be talking about hackers going after Russia. Some of us are thinking, good, but it might not be a good thing. Mm-hmm. We'll also be chatting about Apple again and universal control. They have a new feature that lets you control all of your Apple devices from one keyboard and mouse. It's really super cool. And we'll be talking about Netflix. They want more money from us. We're already paying close to 20 bucks a month. They want to find a way to charge us extra. Hmm. We're going to tell you why and what for and what poor countries are testing this this on right now. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got our podcasts up there. We also have great uh, YouTube videos and the latest uh, reviews on Tech Gear and some great blogs. want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, Gray, Robin, John, Nigel, and Stephen. We'll see you again next time.